Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, and sitting across from me in the library of the St. Aloysius Grade School in Yoder, Indiana, is my good friend, the man who has racked up more frequent flyer miles in service to the gospel than anyone I know, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. Hey, Ken, how you doing, my friend? I am well, and again, it's a joy to be with you in person, and uh, we don't get to do this that often. Normally, it's back home in uh, in beautiful Portland, Oregon, where, where we first met and, and where you live. and But here you're in Indiana. And so by gum, I was going to drive to come see you. And here we are. So <laughs> so glad you did. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's great. But uh, Deacon, happy Easter. Yes. Happy Easter to you as well. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. And has appeared to Simon. Yeah, that's right. As I always like to say, you know, that's a greeting I remember first hearing in uh, college. Uh, A friend of mine who had converted to Catholicism from being a Lutheran introduced me to this, you know, he is risen, he is risen indeed uh, response. And I, I remember thinking, we can make that more Catholic, my friend. Yeah. By adding in that wonderful line from the Gospel of Luke, and has appeared to Simon. <laughs> and so there you go. Yeah, it's uh, here we are in Easter, and um, Lent was long, always yes. is. I yep. mean, it's actually like 46 days, really, if you think about it. Yeah. But now we're at the very beginning of truly the most glorious season of the church year, and it's even longer. It's 50 days. So take that, you 46-day Lent. We're going <laughs> to celebrate Easter for 50 straight days. And not only that, but we're going to really celebrate it. We're going to go hard for the first eight days because all of this week is basically Easter Sunday over and over and over. It's like Groundhog Day, but for joy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, we're in the octave of Easter. What does that even mean? Yeah, so octave comes from the Latin word for eight, right? And so it's eight days because, you know, they said Jesus rose on the eighth day, right? Uh, so there were, I mean— So it, like of, of creation. Right, so day. if you, you from Sunday to Sunday— Inclusive is eight days, right? Okay, so Sunday, sure. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, again, sure. so the, the eighth day, and so the, we see it as a, as a, a it says a new creation, mm-hmm. uh, the resurrection, calling us to life, conquering death. Uh, that's extremely important. Um, you know, sometimes we, we people question why Jesus had to die. Why can't he just teach and die of old age? You know, and we saw we talked about this during Lent. The first, the, the worst effect of sin is death. Cutting yeah. yourself off from God's life. So Christ restores that to us. And so although we, we still fear death in a sense, sure. I mean, I'm, not af- I'm not afraid of death. Um, that's something that every single person is going to have to go through. They used to say um, the only two things you can be sure of in life is death and taxes. Right. But you don't have to pay your taxes if you don't want, but you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to die. That's for sure. You know, so it's just a matter of, of where you are in your relationship with God as we're journeying toward death, really. Um, but it shouldn't be a morbid thing, but it's like, you know, for me, I see, I want to I wanna squeeze out as much as I can, 
you know, with the gifts as God has given me. I want to, you know, when I stand before him, I want to multiply. I want to bring him not just threefold to sixfold. I want to bring him hundredfold, right. you know, of the, of the gifts that he's given. And so when you live life that way, just very deliberately, very focused, you know, and I, and I, and I have some ascetical practices that help to help keep me. So again, the physical we talked about last week, right? you know, so um, I don't watch television, like rarely watch TV. And not because again TV's bad, you know. I mean EW10, right? I mean, right. You're it, on it. I'm I mean, on it, right? Come so, on, yeah. But for me, there, um, there are other things I could be doing with that time that are going to be drawing me closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, even spending time with the family. You know, I mean that's helping drawing me closer to Christ or spending time with my wife. You know, um, we we decided to do these um, getaway like weekend getaways. You know, when I'm off the road, like a four, three, four day weekend things. Yeah. And I'm very much looking forward to the next one. Yeah, you know, we had a, we had a really uh, wonderful time at the Oregon coast. I think this time I'm going to take her into the mountains, into the gorge. I hope you she's know. not listening, and, and you're no, nah, she doesn't the listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your bride is like mine. She's like, she considers listening to us an ascetical practice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it already. She always says, but yeah, um, but yes, yeah, so we're going to go into the Columbia Columbia Gorge, Columbia River Gorge, probably Scamania Lodge. And, Beautiful, you know, and and uh, spend a few days there. And, yeah. and uh, so th- those those things. Um, you know, draws closer, draws closer to Christ, and um, you know this octave. These eight days are wonderful, and the, every day is a solemnity. It's not a holy day of obligation, but every day is a solemnity. So every day is like Sunday, right? You know, right. Um, uh, which is a wonderful remembrance. And uh, that, and that kind of, uh, we do that because we're that filled with joy by this, and because, like you said, the eighth day of creation is the day of the new creation, the re creation of all things. And so by celebrating Easter for eight straight days, we're pointing out that this has truly made all things new. There is no, there's no ascetical practices in this week. This is all joy. I mean, that even includes, you know, obviously Fridays are traditionally days when we recall the passion of the Lord. But this Friday in Easter week is actually a Sunday. It's liturgically, it is Easter Sunday. It is part of this octave. So it's not a day of ascetical practices. Yep. It's a day of joy. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know you know where I'm going with this. Yes. <laughs> because this Friday is my my personal favorite feast day of the year. And because I call it Meeting Friday, M-E-A-T-I-N-G, Meeting Friday, because it's not a Friday. It's actually Sunday. It's a day of celebration. It's a day of Easter. And uh, my little phrase that I've used for a while on this is if you don't eat meat at every day on me at every meal on meeting Friday, you're denying the bodily resurrection of our Lord (laughs) because he took flesh and became one of us. And so we too should take flesh in the form of delicious flesh meats at all the meals because his body was not found in the tomb. His body was raised and it was raised to a new and glorious creation, a new and glorious resurrection that is the foretaste of ours. He is as we soon will be. His body was not, to be crass, eaten by worms. His body is resurrected and glorified, and we too shall be resurrected and glorified and one with him in the kingdom, where we will be gathered around the wedding feast of the Lamb, the wedding feast of the Lord that we read about in the book of Revelation, in the, in the Revelation of St. John. That is actually the sacred mass. That is the holy mass taking place in heaven that we are at when we kneel at mass 
every time we go, we are getting that foretaste of heaven. Meeting Friday is a little foretaste of that again. And so, yeah, this is a Sunday all week long. Yeah, so true. And, uh, you know, we've kind of stolen it from you. A group of us men get together uh, as close as we can to meeting Friday and and devour delicious meats. It's not stealing. Uh, It's something I want to be a universal celebration (laughs) in in Holy Mother Church because this is joy. Absolutely. Mm. And even vegetarians can get in on the joy. It means to celebrate to the maximum extent that you can, the best way that you know. So if you're a vegetarian, have the tastiest cauliflower steak you could ever imagine. But just think of it. This is a celebration of the incarnation and the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of our Lord. Yes. That's, that's my pitch. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. And um, even some family celebrations, I think, would be wonderful during this time, like having an Easter cake, you know, like yes. some, some people on Christmas, they have a birthday cake for Jesus, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. just like he's part of the family, just like you have a birthday kids for, cake for each of the kids. Right. You know, what kinds, what's your favorite cake? And, you know, the mom, well, at least when I was growing up, mom made you the cake. Now, I guess you can go to somewhere and buy a cake now, right. but, but mom made it from scratch, you know, those box cakes and stuff like yep. that. And that was always, always look forward to that, you know. Um, I know lamb cakes are popular, especially in Polish communities, like on Easter, you will get a, a cake in the shape of a lamb, even if it's cut out or if it's 3D, it's, uh, it represents the triumph of the lamb, of course, the image of Christ. Yeah, and it shouldn't be about, um, you know, the Easter bunny. And can't, I mean, although, I mean, you know, a lot of parents will go through the, you know, they have the Easter baskets or, right. or hide the eggs and kids go search for right. them. But, but really, you know, those are ancillary. The primary thing should be focused on why we have Easter in the first place. Right. You know, uh, we can't water it down and just make it just a cultural It's not uh, a Hallmark thing. holiday. Right. right. No, exactly. this, is, this is a Christian holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is yep. the Christian holiday par excellence. Yep. Yep. And so I think trying to establish some practices and um, some family traditions, you know, at home, I think would be a wonderful thing to do. Because these are the types of things you want your kids to bring into their own families mm-hmm. one day. Or if the, if the child becomes a priest or a nun, you know, um, they bring those memories into the into the priest or into the convent with them. Maybe I might even implement some of them. You know, you can bring, you know, our family used to do this and, you know, maybe this might be fun to do. Yeah. You know, in the convent, you know, and yeah. or like special or from, meal or or preaching about it from the from the pulpit, mm-hmm. whether, you know, you you have the joy of raising a future priest or deacon in your house. Mm-hmm. They they can preach about those traditions, too, exactly. like you have. Yeah. And, and so they'll say, wow, look, look, you know, this is the kind of fruit that these traditions are bearing. And that's what you're doing. You're planting seeds in the hearts of your children. In the hearts of your family, because what you don't want is for this time of year to become just a fond memory. Oh yes, I remember the lilies. We used to go to church on Sunday, and Father, you actually you actually used incense. And come on, <laughs> you know, um, even even helping to deeply connect them to you know, at this what's going on at the mass. Yeah, you know, um, what what do these things represent? Why do we have the lilies? Why is Father using incense? You know, why is he using the long one, Eucharistic prayer one, you know, today, you know, as, as I affectionately call it? I will say that that's a prayer that I've been hearing a lot more in just in general. 
and and appropriately so because this is the prayer you know that that uh, kind of expresses the fullness in many ways of of our tradition because this was the only uh, Eucharistic prayer for four hundred plus years, but also because it has so many beautiful parts to it. It calls upon the saints by name. Yep. So many of them. It recalls that what we're doing is in line with what Melchizedek did in the Old Testament, offering bread and wine to to God the Father on behalf of the people that God had chosen, you know, and the promised people on behalf of Abraham and his descendants. It's just an absolutely beautiful prayer. And um, I'm glad to—and my favorite part of the Eucharistic Prayer 1, the Roman canon, is actually when the priest bows down and asks and says— May your holy angel take this bread and wine here from our altar to your altar in heaven and give it back to us as the sacred body and blood of your son. I'm paraphrasing there, but but that's essentially what it is. And we bowed and he makes a profound bow and a sign of the cross because we want that to take place. What this is, is not just bread and wine that, you know, this family brought up to the altar, but it's then transformed through the act of the Eucharistic prayer through the Holy Spirit into the very heavenly bread that uh, we, as I said before, we will one day gather around the altar in heaven to enjoy. Yes, so true. Um, We had a few family traditions that kind of brought that home for us uh, that my mom did. But of course it included like, you know, Easter egg hunts and stuff like oh, that. Of course, yeah. But but it was mostly, and then why do you wear the Sunday best? You know, we want to give our best to God at all times, at every moment of our life. We strive to do that. But sometimes sin gets in the way, you know, and I think these family traditions, you know, even if the kids, you know, when they're 20, some, oh, that was so stupid. Why do we have to do that? But then when they get old and then they have kids, and they're like, wait a minute, what, what are my kids going to inherit? I just don't want them to inherit my money. I want them to inherit, you know, my faith. Yeah. You know, I want to show them not just by words, but our witness and example of how we're supposed to live this faith out as a family. And there's some cool, fun things we can do as a family, you know, to kind of concretize it in their hearts. And so that they're looking forward to uh, the time where they can bring that into their own family. Again, if a priest bring it into his parish family, you know, some of those traditions, uh, whether it's, uh, again, a, a nun going into a convent, you know, because that's, that's her new family now, you know, bring it in. Or whether it's uh, you see your children, doing the same things that you did when they were children. You see that tradition being passed on. Right. You know, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And that's, in a real sense, how we keep the church alive in the hearts of of the faithful. Yeah. This handing down, we even say this actually in in the Eucharistic prayer that we were just talking about, you know, the faith that has been handed down from the apostles, Mm -hmm. you know, and that handing down is the preaching and the lived experience. It's the sacred tradition and the word you know, in communion. Um, one of the beautiful traditions that happens during Eastertide is uh, there's that beautiful prayer we've talked about before, the Angelus, yes. uh, that celebrates, of course, the very incarnation. The angel of the Lord appeared unto Mary. And it often is traditionally recited at 6 a.m. or, you know, at morning, noon, and night. And it's a kind of a three-part with, with Hail Marys and uh, a little prayer that, again, recalls Christ taking flesh and coming for us. In Eastertide, we change the prayer. We, we, we substitute a different prayer. We substitute a prayer called the Regina Chaley or the Queen of Heaven. And yeah. this is the prayer that, again, it recognizes anytime we bring uh, honor to Mary, we are doing it because 
she is the one who gave us the son. She is the mother of her son. And so the prayer goes, Queen of heaven, rejoice. Alleluia. For he whom you did merit to bear, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Um, Again, we ask for Mary's prayers, and we ask for Mary's prayers because she was the one who bore Christ. And even in this prayer, it acknowledges the whole reason why we're honoring Christ is because he did as he said he was going to do. He rose from the dead. And of course, no son can deny the request of his mother. And so when we ask for the prayers of Mary and she intercedes for us, he can't say no. I mean, she's the one who told the servants at Cana, do whatever he tells you. And yet he is always, like a good follower of the commandments, honors his father and mother. His father is God. His mother is Mary. His father is also Joseph, by the way. Let us not forget that, too. And we're going to come back and talk more about Joseph even later, I know. Maybe not today, but uh, Joseph uh, is is also Joseph the terror of demons. I mean, he's he's a good guy, too. So, But, uh, yeah, this prayer, the Queen of Heaven, rejoice, hallelujah, is one of the most beautiful parts of the uh, of kind of Eastertide. And we'll be so- praying this for the next 50 days together, you know, uh, throughout throughout Eastertide. So um, uh, that replaces the the Angelus. So if you have been taking if you have this as part of your regular prayer, of course, yeah. you probably already know it. But but yeah. it's a beautiful prayer. Yes, it is. It's great in Latin, too. Yes. Uh, yeah. Regina Celi Laetare, hallelujah. That's actually also where the Laetare medal for the uh, for the University of Notre Dame, uh, uh, it makes reference okay. to this. Yes. We have Laetare Sunday in Lent, but the Laetare also, it means rejoice. And so, uh, you know, Queen of Heaven, rejoice. Yeah, beautiful. Love yeah. that. I love that. Um, one other thing that's coming up uh, here in this octave of Easter uh, and that um, is very meaningful to to uh, you know a lot of us is Divine Mercy Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter, also the, known as the first Sunday after Easter. Uh, here is Divine Mercy Sunday, uh, and this is a great celebration that came from uh, the uh, you know revelations uh, to Saint Faustina Kowalska, a Polish uh, nun who was canonized by uh, Pope John Paul II. And he also established this feast of, of uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. And uh, so we will be hearing about this this coming Sunday. Perhaps you're already praying the uh, the novena that kind of prepares for it, uh, the nine days of prayer beginning on, on Good Friday and ending then on, on uh, Easter Sun- or second Sunday of Easter, or Divine Mercy Sunday. And uh, this Sunday we'll hear the uh, this the opening prayer speaks of the God of everlasting mercy. And that's ultimately what Divine Mercy Sunday is about, is recognizing that what Christ has accomplished for us is restoring us to the love of God and applying the mercy of God towards us. So the prayer begins, God of everlasting mercy, who in the very recurrence of the Paschal Feast, so the fact that we do this every year, when you kindle the faith of the people you have made your own, increase, we pray, the grace you have bestowed so that all may grasp and rightly understand in what font they have been washed, by whose spirit they have been reborn, by whose blood they have been redeemed. So think about that prayer. It calls upon the spirit. It calls upon the blood of Christ. It calls upon the fact of our baptism, always pointed towards God, the everlasting father. Mm. 
just like the Eucharistic prayer, which is through Christ, with him and in him, in the unity of the spirit directed toward the father. All things are Trinitarian in this prayer and in everything that we do as a sacramental people. I love these prayers. They're beautiful. And even the readings for Divine Mercy Sunday, you know, uh, Acts of the Apostles, um, you know, many signs and wonders were done. Uh, among the people by the hands of the apostles. So the apostles continue Jesus' work of, of healing right. and restoring people to both physical and spiritual health. Um, and he said, this is the part. Thus, they even carried the sick out into the street and laid them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on one or another of them. Isn't that crazy? What the Heck, man. I mean, just to his shadow. My, I mean, what what must that have been like? Right. You know, to, to these are what what, what um uh, Saint um Paul refers to as the super apostles, right? The ones that were yeah. with Jesus, and the, the 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 faith of the people to bring the sick out just so that the shadow of Peter might fall on them. Holy cow, what incredible faith. I'm remind I'm reminded of of course, you know, the the woman with the issue of blood that we read about in the gospels who just wanted to touch the hem of Jesus's garment. Not even physically touch Jesus, just the hem of his garment and and the power went out of him and she was healed immediately. And she was healed by her faith. So as you talk here about the faith of the people that brought you know, brought the sick and the lame out just th- that the shadow might, you know, Peter's shadow might fall upon them. And doesn't the reading go on to actually say, and they were healed? I mean, like, it, it was not just an act of faith, but but like, this was yeah. an actual act that their faith was was rewarded, you know? And in fact, says they were all cured. They were all cured. You, so wow. think about that, right? They... The we read, of course, in the Gospels about the, you know, the people that lowered the stretcher down because the room was too full to get to get the paralyzed man to Jesus. So they tore open a hole in the roof and lowered him down. It was the faith of that man's friends that cured yep. him. Christ recognizes that faith is what has saved you. That's what he tells yes. the woman with the flow of blood. Your faith has saved you. He tells them, your the faith of your friends is what I tell you, pick up your mat and walk. You know, your sins are forgiven. Our responsibility as people of faith is to bring people to Christ. We have to share. It's They may not be people of faith yet, the people that we want to help, but our faith has effects in their lives too. We bring them to Christ. We bring them to the sacraments. We invite them. We carry them if we have to. Yeah. Um, and Christ can do great things yeah. by faith. You know? Yeah, we shouldn't be reluctant to do that. I don't want to say anything bad about, about you know, my Baptist brothers and sisters who are like, no, you have to be old enough to choose it yourself. We believe in av- that infant baptism is a legitimate and good practice because it's the faith of the parents and godparents that are bringing this child to salvation. Acts of the Apostles shows just why that works. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and the psalm is Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is one of what they call the Hallel Psalms. 114 to 118 and Psalm 135 are the praise psalms. Yeah. And it says, you know, it's interesting. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love is everlasting. Or his mercy endures forever. Yeah, or his mercy. See, the, the word in Hebrew is actually hesed, 
mm. uh, which is mercy, actually. But it's merciful love. Right, right. So some people translate it as love. Some people translate it as mercy. But it's actually the same word in Hebrew. Yeah. Just, you know, but, but merciful love actually would be the most would be the closest translation to Hesed. Okay. So, and then of course in the um, that's a beautiful psalm. Yeah, uh, it's and long. It's, it's a long one. It's yeah. long and it's repetitive. Yes. For His mercy endures forever. For His love, yeah, His love is everlasting. What, however, you translate that, that's a call and response throughout that psalm, and it's beautiful because it comes up regularly in the uh, in Sunday midday prayer. Uh, of in the liturgy of the hours, it's just yeah. I mean, like when you're in a community praying that for His love endures forever, for His mercy endures forever, over and over, it it actually becomes part of your breathing, and that's when it becomes part of who you are too. God's mercy endures forever, and we need to hear that. And here we are on Divine Mercy Sunday hearing that. And then the the second reading, uh, just look at the Book of Revelation. Um, John is told to write down what he sees. Right. And and uh, so he saw one as a uh, son of man standing in front of him, uh, ankle length robes. He fell down as, as though dead <laughs> in front of him and, and he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. So in, in Greek, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who lives. I was once dead, but now I am alive forever and ever. <laughs> That's love the that, resurrection. Man. That's the resurrection. Of course, then the gospel from John. Uh, John chapter 20 on the first day of the week, John, Jesus comes in and gives specific and direct authority to forgive sins to those apostles, empowered him with his Holy Spirit in his love and mercy. For, to, he still wants to touch us with his own hands and love us with his own heart. So he didn't say, OK, just have people just pray to me and I'll forgive them. No, he, he, he gives that authority to the apostles because he still wants to touch us and love us personally. It reminds me of that beautiful, you know, you go to confession and you hear the words of absolution. Through the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon and peace, and I absolve mm-hmm. you of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's the ministry of the church, but it's a personal act of forgiveness. But it's not I, the priest, it's I, Christ. That is the moment when truly the priest is acting in persona Christi, right. in the person of Christ. On the authority that we read about in that's the, the only way you could do it if you have the authority of Christ. You cannot say I absolve because no man could forgive no. anybody of their sins. Only God can. But through the priest, that's right. Just like he did in, in uh, the uh, book of Leviticus. It's delightful. This is all about mercy and love and joy and. <laughs> It, as cheesy as the phrase is, we are an Alleluia people, or we are an Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. I say it's cheesy, but that's actually a phrase of John Paul II. Yeah. You know, so, uh, I mean, it sounds a little hokey to me, but it's true. We are a joyful people who have been redeemed in Christ, and there's nothing greater to say than that. Alleluia. Yeah, amen. Friends, we've run out of time tonight, but... Uh, As always, we invite you to connect with us by going to Living Stones Media on Facebook, and you can also download previous episodes of the show at materdeiradio.com. Deacon, until we gather again next week, might we have an Easter blessing? Well, mighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. (laughs) We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. 
Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.